On February 2, 2022, the sixth annual Diversity Leadership Day took place at Viewpoint School. It was another incredible success. We had two amazing keynote speakers entertaining game puzzles from different cultures and a variety of workshop sessions to choose from. Hi, I'm Rachel, a proud student podcaster. Today, I'm going to interview students who presented a workshop, teachers who sponsored a workshop, and students who attended the sessions for their experiences on that day. What was the most unforgettable moment for you on Diversity Leadership Day? You know, that's so hard to answer because there were so many wonderful moments. But I think the the most unforgettable moment for me, or moments, were the times in the class that I was teaching when the students were really participating and when they were answering questions and and uh, I could tell that they were understanding the concepts and it was just so rewarding to see their participation and to be able to answer their questions. That was the best part. I think the most unforgettable part for me was the point where we emerged from the first session um, at lunch and during iBlock to see how engaged everyone was in the activities outside on the upper school plaza uh, and surrounding areas. These sessions are incredibly thought-provoking and to see everyone both engaging in conversation about them and other activities really for me was unforgettable. Um, The most unforgettable moment during Diversity Leadership Day for me was um, I I love student interaction and student engagement. So every time I lead a class, I'm always trying to incorporate student voice and opinions and perspective. So Mr. Brian and I had a great seminar on comparing the way that people in East Asia and the West kind of see the world and themselves in it. So we, of course, both of us have spent time in in East Asia. I was in Korea, he was in China. So we have a, a very interesting perspective of comparing our experiences there with our experiences growing up in the United States. But at one time, we brought up Taoism in China. And one of the Asian students, he was Chinese, uh, he actually commented and said, oh, we don't believe in that anymore. And it was interesting because he's a younger generation and it's fine. We know that, that uh, society has changed over you know, decades and centuries. But it, was, it led to some great conversations about how even though younger generations may not overtly feel Taoism in their culture, especially in China, still there are kind of evidence of it in daily life or daily or perspective. So it led to some great conversations that uh, really helped both sides understand each other better. What inspired or motivated you to lead the session? Well, I grew up surrounded by different cultures. Specifically, I grew up in a Burmese and a Chinese household. And then when I got to high school, I was really just starting to notice the conflict that I felt between my ethnic culture and more American culture. My friend Kaylin and I are actually both taking Chinese at Viewpoint because we never learned it growing up. And we're just currently trying to find a balance between our ethnic and our American selves, I could say. Um, and it really made us realize that DLD gave us an opportunity to teach others that this conflict between cultures happens so often, which was really motivating to lead the session. 
So the workshop that I led was internalized misogyny, and the reason I decided to lead this workshop was the fact that internalized misogyny is something that is prevalent in society. It affects literally everyone, not just people with a feminine experience. It can affect anyone. And because of that, I thought it was an important thing to talk about. Why did you choose the topic and which workshops did you attend? I was actually really excited to lead this session, particularly because I'm a part of speech and debate at Viewpoint, and last year I wrote an original oratory for a 10-minute memorized speech about something called cultural homelessness. So just for background, a cultural home is a sense of belonging within an ethnic group, and discrimination or contradicting ideas between your cultures can experience a loss or conflict among your cultural homes, which then leads to cultural homelessness. So because I had this background and knowledge of cultural homelessness, I thought it would be perfect to lead a DLD session on it and combine with my friend and my experiences growing up with multiple cultures, it was honestly a perfect match. So internalized misogyny is when people subconsciously project sexist ideas onto other people and even onto themselves. And the issue with this is that sometimes it's subconsciously done. So it's really important to acknowledge internalized misogyny as an issue to help people recognize it when they're doing it to themselves or to other people. I attended the theory of group dynamics and the stronger than hate challenge. Um, I wanna just choose those two workshops because my really good friends were hosting both of them. And also because I was really interested in the topics, like I also wanted to apply to the stronger than hate challenge, and uh, just the theory of group dynamic just sounded really interesting to me. The ones I did were the um, friend group formula. So you got to in that one, you got to like act out like a like a scene on how friend groups like develop and change, and I think it also like helped me and my friends a lot. And I think that it was like really interesting to learn about. And then the second one we did was, what I did was, um, I think it was like, there's no place like home moments, mementos, and memories. We learned about like our like, me like memories and like moments and just how to like live in the moment and just like, yeah. So I think that one was really interesting too. And yeah. I attended the LGBTQ plus allyship workshop as well as the theory of friend dynamics workshop. And the theory of friend dynamics one was really interesting because led by the amazing Daphne Huffman, it was going into the, the stereotypes and different roles each person plays in the friend group scenario and how they can be broken and created and how we can, how we can manage those ever-changing dynamics in our friend group cool. and for the first one i went to the lgbte plus allyship one because i am if you know me i'm the gayest thing you could meet on planet earth i'm a whole dang fruity pebble as some people call me and yeah i really wanted to do that it was a great opportunity to connect with other people from the lgbtq plus community as well as learn about the history of the lgbtq plus rights movement cool what research did it take you to prepare for your presentation? Well, because I already had a 10-minute speech on cultural homelessness, I actually just took a few sentences from it for a foundation. And then my friend and I probably spent a total of four or maybe five hours working on the presentation in total because we wanted to make sure that we could not only educate others, but also find people who could relate to conflicts among their cultural homes. 
Most of the research was really about the process of assimilation and also ways that we could bridge the gap between different cultures. What was really good about our presentation is that I think we had a lot of interactive activities. So it wasn't just hours of research to lecture other people, but it was actually more of just preparation for fun and engaging activities. Cool. So some of the research that I did was watching a TED talk called Not Like Other Girls, which I think is a great TED talk, so people should check it out. Um, and also just from personal experience, I think that a lot of research came from asking other people about their experience with internalized misogyny, as well as reflecting on my own past experiences. We heard so many talks about their motivation, inspiration, and heart work. Great! This is such an enthusiastic group. Next, let's hear about their feelings at the end of the day. In Diversity Leadership Day, I also hosted a workshop with Ms. Gail Cole. It's an information session regarding the Stronger Than Hate Challenge. I was very satisfied with the presentation. This experience further exercised my leadership skills, and I ignited everybody's passion. Through interaction, everyone had more understanding and value of diversity in our community, school, even entire country. Are you satisfied with their presentation? Yes, in the sense that um, I think that it was well prepared. I think Mr. Emerald and I spent a lot of time trying to prepare it well. But it's always hard to know how to target a certain audience. And, you know, one class was mostly middle school students and the other class was mostly upper school students. And so there was a little bit of difference there. If I had it to do over again, I would make some adjustments. Um, to target the audience a little bit better, but overall, I think that most of the most of the participants found it um, interesting and that they got something out of it. So I was pleased with that. I had an absolute blast in my workshop to have the opportunity to talk to people and engage people in conversation about something that I was incredibly passionate about, and that my my co-sponsor Arthur Kingdom was incredibly passionate about was absolutely fantastic. Everyone engaged in the workshop and really seemed to enjoy themselves as well. So yes, I was very satisfied with it. I think um, educators who really care about students are, I think we're never satisfied with our, with our teaching. We always want to improve. Um, but I think uh, we did the best we could to get students involved. Uh, we had a nice coverage of topics from different perspectives. We created some, a slideshow that helped students to understand what we were trying to explain and, and uh, invited them to engage with their own perspectives. So yeah, overall, I was really happy with it and very, very grateful to have a chance to present with Mr. Bryant. Cool. I think that there's definitely some ways I could have improved what I presented or how my partners and I presented the workshop, but I think overall we had a really good impact and I think that it went really smoothly. What did you learn on that day? Anything that surprised or impressed you? One th there were so many things that uh, surprised and impressed me about Diversity Leadership Day, but that's true every year. I think in this case, one of the things that was most gratifying to me was when I went into my history class the next day and I was asking students to share some of their thoughts about the day and what uh, sessions they attended and what they got out of it. A number of hands went up right away and people were really quick to 
volunteer observations, activities, things that they participated in that they thought were valuable or enjoyable. And so I think the thing to me that was most impressive was the degree to which the students engaged in the activities. I was both surprised and incredibly impressed with the level of engagement with our ninth grade students in the theater as they watched um, Irshad Manji over Zoom. I wondered how effective that conversation with our incredible panel was going to be um, on a virtual platform. And uh, our ninth grade students were incredibly engaged and uh, really seemed to enjoy it, even though it was a virtual, uh, a virtual session. So that was very special. And uh, you know, I think that's something that surprised me a little. Um, and I was incredibly impressed with our students and the way that Earshad was able to capture their attention. But to be honest, I was surprised uh, that during the meditation ses session, during iBlock, I was really looking forward to going in and meditating and having some of my students come in and just have some peaceful time together. But honestly, I was quite surprised and not prepared for a bunch of stud students coming in and kind of goofing off. Uh, and I was kind of like, you guys, this is a meditation uh, session, you know, it's not meant to be like kind of a, a playground. But I think they were just really excited, you know, so they settled down and then we all got focused and then we had some, maybe the last 15 minutes was quiet meditation. Yeah, definitely. I was actually really surprised at the amount of people who came to our session that could relate to the conflict me and my friend were feeling when it came to having to choose between our ethnic culture and Western culture. I also loved how interactive we made our session because, for example, we showed statements on the board about growing up in a multi-ethnic household or society, and then we had participants walk to different sides of the room indicating if they agreed or disagreed, related or didn't relate. So it was really cool how engaging it was because it was a 6 through 12 session. So we had some 7th graders interacting with seniors and it was really nice to watch. I mean, some stories, I mean, everybody has stories relating to internalized misogyny because as I said, it affects everybody. But for me personally, it was small things like uh, rejecting the color pink or telling myself that like I can't be too feminine. Otherwise, I feel like fall into a stereotype of what a girl is supposed to be. So I think that this is something that a lot of people experienced as well. So a lot of the stories relating to internalized misogyny come from past experiences or even the ways that you were raised. So I learned about what the theories of group dynamics was about, like how group dynamics can change over time and how that can happen and like different roles in like a group, friend group, for example, like a nerd, jock, like all of those roles, I gotta like review them. I learned about like this thing called the lost child and I think it fits me perfectly, just kidding. And also for Stronger Than Hate Challenge, which was another workshop I attended, I learned how to apply to the Stronger Than Hate Challenge and why it's important. So that's what I learned. The friend group formula one, it was surprising to see how much friend groups can like change over time because a lot of the times when they change you don't really even notice it, but like that uh, the examples that they use really showed like how friend groups like develop and change. What parts of the day do you think could be improved next year? 
hard to answer that question since I was in two sessions myself, so I didn't, I wasn't able to see a number of other sessions. I think that uh, there might be, I did hear some feedback about the possibility of, of maybe just the one keynote address, perhaps the one in the afternoon after a long day might be a little tough, but I really enjoyed the, the second um, keynote speaker as well. So I, it's always difficult to, to know how to organize a long day like that when people are really active and participating and uh, what their tolerance is for more information. So I think that uh, even though I don't really have specific suggestions for how it can be improved, I think it's always important that we keep the audience in mind and make sure that we're, we're scheduling the day and structuring the day in a way that really allows everybody to be an active learner um, and, and engaged. So whatever we can do to achieve that, I think would be a, a, a great um, improvement. I think that uh, one way that we might improve that is sort of like how we might improve anything, which is to get feedback, to debrief, um, hear people's comments, suggestions about it, and then, and then go back to the drawing board and see what changes, if any, we need to make. It could be that after that review, we decide to keep it just the way it is. Uh, because I think the main part of the day that everybody looks forward to is to see the sessions that so many students and teachers uh, put forward because of their own interests, because of their own affinities. And so I think that that's the core of the day that we wouldn't want to lose, is the idea that students and teachers are creating programming out of their own interests and passions. Um, and as far as what how the day is structured around that, I think that's something we can always take a fresh look at. Um, but the people that spoke, all of the keynote speakers that's, that spoke and that have spoken in the past have all been, have all had valuable contributions to make. And so I, I think we wouldn't be too quick to, um, to change things, but I think we would want to gather information, get the feedback and see, you know, if there are ways to improve it, we would certainly want to go back to the drawing board and do that. But I think we're also, we feel like Diversity Leadership Day has become a really important staple in the life of the school. And we want to make sure that we uh, maintain its key essence and the things about it that are the most significant. I think something we could improve for the day, and I suppose I should be careful what I wish for here. I would love to see more people leaning in and leading sessions. And I say I should be careful what I wish for because if everyone was to lean in and lead a session, there would be nobody to attend them. Uh, so all in all, I think it would be great if people who wonder if they would like to lead a session actually would. And uh, just to be able to hear from people what it is that they're passionate about uh, and have them be brave enough to lead a session on that, uh, I think that would just make the day uh, so much more powerful. Uh, oh, I think, I think the number of seminars was awesome. They had a great, a great diversity of kind of offerings from many different backgrounds. I think it might be hard to schedule, but I think letting students choose more than two sessions would be great. So maybe, I don't know how they would schedule it, but I know, I know some students have told me that certain sessions were too long or they didn't have enough time to participate. Other sessions were great and really active and the students loved those. So I think in general, maybe um, 
if the students, if the sessions are able to incorporate student participation and uh, be a bit more student-centered to incorporate their individual perspectives and experience, I think that with, with like actives, activities, um, I think that would be great. Um, some parts of the day that could be improved are like, you know, like the intro and outro like assemblies we would have. I feel like those mm -hmm. could be shortened so we have more time for the things we are chose for Diversity Leadership Day. Like all the classes we chose ourselves, I wish they could be maybe longer. Or more time for maybe other activities would be nice. I liked the workshops. Um, I think that the assemblies, um, like the speakers, like they were really interesting as well, but I feel like they were like a little long. So I've, um, next time maybe make the like speakers part shorter. The workshops were like really fun and I really enjoyed doing those. And I also really liked the eye block activities. I went to the tea thing with the Asian club and, um, I got there a little late so I didn't get any tea, but they had like other food there and it was really good. Cool. I really enjoyed the speaker because it was short, it wasn't super long, it wasn't one word, and it was relatable. And it wasn't just like, oh yeah, I felt this and this is great. It was, oh yeah, I was in this situation, here's how I handled it. What do you think I should have done? And I think that was really great because it engaged the kids and, um, we weren't just kind of sitting there listening. We were actively engaged in the discussion and in a way, almost the narrative and story that was set up by the speaker. Cool. We've all had memorable moments for Diversity Leadership Day 2022. Let's hope for the one next year to be even more eventful, remarkable, and unforgettable.